Welcome to the Social for Brokers podcast with me, your host, Chris Target. This podcast is for mortgage brokers and estate agents who are looking to grow their online presence through social media. I'll share tips, best practices, and useful tools that will help you save time and ultimately expand your business. Welcome to the Social for Brokers podcast. Today's guest, not only a very well-known mortgage advisor, if you're all over Instagram or Facebook, but also another strong Beard of the Year contender. So we've had Dave Corbett on here, who is, I think he went up for the award against you, didn't he, a few years ago it on did. LinkedIn? Yeah, it is. Yep. So if you're watching on YouTube, you'll see Lewis Shaw from Shaw Financial Services and from Riverside Mortgages as well, which is a new venture that he set out on. Um, and if you're watching on YouTube, you will see one impressive beard. But today he's <laughs> going to be talking to us about self-promotion, which includes how to get featured on lots of different news channels, which you'll talk through, but also pretty much every newspaper in the UK, Lewis Shaw has written an article for. And I think it's a fantastic way of self-promotion. And he's when I think of people that write articles for the press, I always think of Lewis, I think because he not only does it, but he shares with people his knowledge. So Lewis, thank you very much for coming on, mate. How are you? Great. I'm great. Thank you. Lovely to be here. Thanks for very thank, thank you very much for uh, inviting me. No, no, my pleasure. And we are in, well, you are in your new office. So talk to us about this new venture before we get started then. Sure. Um, so I've got Shaw Financial Services, which is based in Mansfield. Yeah. Um, and I'm still, that's still operating, albeit a minute kind of remotely. And I'm up and down in between different areas of the country. And I've just started a new brand. So it's the same because obviously I'm just, a, I'm just still the same AR, but just with a second trading style called Riverside Mortgages, which is um, a state agency based. So we're taking leads um, or going to be, we're just, we're just kind of spooling up and starting that process. And we're going to be taking leads from uh, an estate agency uh, with quite a few branches. Can't say too much, but yeah, an estate agency with quite a few branches. So it's uh, it's exciting, albeit uh, you'd probably probably pick a better time to start a second a second string to the bow, so to speak, um, with everything that's gone on. But uh, yeah, so I'm up in Teesside, uh, currently in a place called Ingleby Barwick or Barrick. It depends how you say that. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so I'm not far from Yarm, so kind of right up. Kind of quite up north, mm-hmm. uh, bunking with a mate, and then essentially here Monday to Thursday, and then shoot back down to Mansfield and do Friday, Saturday uh, in my place, in, in in my office down in Mansfield, and kind of sorting you know sorting those mortgages out there, and then Sunday have kind of you know half a day's rest and jump back on the train to shoot back up up up, up to Teesside and rinse and repeat. So that's that's the way it's yeah, looking at the moment. That's what you're doing, you. Yeah. Splitting your time. So six days a week at the minute. And you, you explaining before we came on the podcast, you're still incredibly busy. Still busy, still busy, still getting the leads in, still getting the you know, getting the getting the customers uh knocking on the door. And yeah, and I think I'll be honest, I think I'm fortunate that stumbled across the this estate agency because that does obviously help uh with you know with lead generation. So, you know, sure FS, as the most brokers probably noticed. Leads have the volume has certainly dropped. The quality is mm. still there, but the, you know, just the, the numbers, you know, the, the phone's not ringing as much as it once did, and that's the case probably across majority of the country. Oh, I'm sure there'll be some brokers that say, "Oh God, no, that's not happening to me." It's, it's a bit like when 
it's a bit like in COVID when, when people went, oh, I'm so incredibly, incredibly busy. And then the stats came out that mortgage sourcing had dropped by 75%. It's like, well, either there's just two people doing lots of mortgages or you're lying. And we're, rec- we're recording this in November of 2022. So yes. it's after the, the mini budget that was put out and taken back. And yes. we've got a new prime minister and everything seems to be up in the way. But I feel that the Bank of England increased the base rate last week. There seems to be an air of stability. And I think that's quieter stability. Yeah. But there is definitely, it feels a lot more stable. It doesn't seem like lenders are upping rates, lowering rates, pulling them, stopping lending at the moment, are they? Yeah. They, they seem to be out there consistently. Do you know what was odd? So prior to the prior to the Bank of England increasing the base rate, I did think that I did was I thought they would increase it by 0.75 percent. I know a lot mm-hmm. of people thought it was only going to be half percent. I was pretty certain it'd be three quarters of a percent. And there are a lot of brokers saying if the base rate goes up by three quarters percent, that's the that's the purchase market dead and all the rest of it. And I was kind of going, well, no, I think actually they'll increase the base rate and then we'll start to see fixed rates fall. And someone got in touch and said, well, why do you think that? Because that's a lot of brokers are going, that's going to really cock things up. And I went, no, it's not because when you've got almost you've got an imbalance between kind of the cost of government borrowing and the risk-free rate. It's mm. almost a little bit like that. You've got the economy on a speed wobble. So by increasing that, that 0.375, sorry, it kind of steadies the, you know, it stops the uh, the, the kind of the sway. And then as, we, as we've seen, you know, fixed rates have began to kind of edge down because that calms gilts down, that calms swaps down and that filters into mm. fixed rates. So, you know, we start things to hopefully... It's you know it's going in the right direction, not huge moves, and it's unlikely there's going to be any huge moves um, anytime soon. But it's at least going in the right direction. Things have calmed down, dust is beginning to settle, and I think over these next few months we're coming into a quieter period. Um, and I think it's is that there's that kind of period of time that people need to acclimatise to this higher interest rate environment. It's not going to go anywhere anytime soon, I don't think. I mean, it'd be nice if it did, mm-hmm. um, but. I think this is probably where we're we're here now. For, it's a good, for... good time, good excuse for it to get quiet going up to Christmas, and let's see what yeah. happens in the new year. Do you know what I mean? It, naturally, hopefully, it tails off towards the end of the year, and some mortgage brokers out there can actually have Christmas Eve off because I know a lot of you were were working right up until the deadline, Christmas Eve, to get everything yeah. submitted, and just get get back a bit to a bit of normality because it has been crazy hasn't it these last two years but before we get on to where you are at the minute and what you're doing i'd like the listeners to get a bit of a background to who you are lewis um how you started in the industry and how you've got to where you are today okay so um i started in the industry uh 2015 so i've not been in it all that long if i'm honest um and i got into it uh by accident really um so I, I was in the forces uh, I left the forces. Okay, I didn't know that. Um, I was medically discharged, um, and then they paid for you, uh, got a resettlement allowance, where you get an amount of funding to be able to retrain in whatever job capacity that, that might be, up to obviously a limit of X amount of money. And I didn't know what to do, and I spoke to a friend of mine who's an IFA, mm-hmm. and he said, well, what about mortgages? CMAP, you'll, you'll do that qualification pretty sharpish. Um, you can make some decent money at it. Uh, why not consider that? So I spoke to the resettlement officer um, in Nottingham, and uh, and she put me in touch with a, a training provider down in South uh, South End on Sea. Went down, did two weeks, like a 
intensive crash course thing, read mm-hmm. the books, went down, did the first week, took the exam, went back for the second week, read the books, took the exam, um, got the qualifications, and then that was that. And then I got my first job uh, in London, and that was purely because I'd been based in London in the forces. I'd come back to my neck of the woods and then thought, well, actually, do you know what? If I can kind of cut my teeth in London, I'll probably learn a lot in a very short space of time because you're going to see a lot of different customers, a lot of different property types. You know, it's going to be all, you know, that's where a lot of stuff happens. And so that, so I got my first job <clears throat> based in an estate agency. I worked around the corner from the Shard. Um, nice. And that was nice. Um, but it was good because I did cut my teeth. I did learn a lot in a very short space of time. And I, had a, I was very, very mm. fortunate to have a guy called Tom. There uh, was a, a great broker, still is a great broker, been in the industry for donkey's years knows everything mm-hmm. you know he, you know he's forgotten more than some brokers know that type of that type of guy yeah and i was very fortunate that he took me under his wing and basically showed me the ropes told me what to do um and i didn't realize how fortunate i was until i was kind of mixing it with other because i didn't obviously i came into it not knowing anyone and then mm-hmm. he started mixing it about with other brokers and i realized actually i've had a, a lot of education in a very short space of time here you know so that's that's how it happened and then I carried on, worked for various places, and then decided to set up my own my own thing in um it was April 2019. Right. Okay. So quite recently there. And and why set up on your own rather than go and work um for a corporate or for a like a call center mortgage brokerage? Um <clears throat> honest answer is uh it's the Marxist in me, racing to the fore. Um, right. It's that I don't. I'm not particularly keen on people making cash off my back. If if okay. I if I'm speaking if I'm speaking to a customer, and that customer makes me a profit of five hundred pounds, I've I've used my labour and knowledge and all the rest of it. So I've used my energy to generate that income, and that income therefore belongs to me because it's my labour that's been expended in generating that income. Um, and I don't think someone else should benefit from that if they've not done the work for it. Basically, do you know? I love that. I love some people might come out with a bit of a um, a bit of an answer. Like I want the flexibility, or I want the ability to do it my own way. But you're very honest. Well, no. If I'm doing the work, I want to get paid for it. Yeah. I don't want taking someone taking a cut for something that they've had no. It's yeah, especially if you generated the lead as well. Yeah, you don't want somebody. Yeah. And then that, and that's the thing. It was a case of I knew I could. I knew I, I knew how to generate leads in so much as. If you don't talk to people and you, you're a decent person and you know what you're doing, you'll get customers. You'll get the customers, yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. I mean? you know, so that's your um, financial services and you've got this other um, uh, trading style um, with the estate agent side. So when you're then promoting, you turn around, you obviously started on your own, you've got to start generating leads. Did the PR side of it come from, I'll tell you what, actually, let's start. Where have you been featured to start with? Crikey. Um, without sounding arrogant, and it will sound arrogant. No, no, um, go for it. I've asked you. So it's more a case of I think where I haven't, because I'm very, very fortunate that I stumbled across a fantastic online platform called Newspage um, in the start at the start of COVID, and signed up to it. At the time, it was free. There's now a monthly subscription, um, and that's a. It was it's classed as the world's first free PR platform set up by a guy. Um, a bearded maverick himself called Dominic Hyatt. Um, and there's another guy that's working, there's a few people now that are working there. Uh, the CA, the new CEO is called, I'm going to try and pronounce his name, Juka Vonanen. I think that's probably wrong. 
Um, uh, he's just joined. He's a great guy as well. Um, and essentially what Newspage does is it, it, it's attempting and, and succeeding to democratise media in the same way that the internet democratised information, uh, mm -hmm. in the same way that the votes for all basically democratised the country. Um, there's been a, uh, you know, a subsection of people that get featured in the media and in the press, giving their opinions on everything and anything and everything, even though they might not have direct experience of doing that thing. You know, you hear, you see macroeconomists on the TV talking about the, the high streets. And yeah, they're looking at data and charts and all that, all that kind of stuff. And it's good to kind of get an overview. But do they really know what it's like to run a small independent shop? Do they really know what it's like to be a landlord? Do they really know what it's like to be a mortgage broker or an estate agent or a physical therapist or whatever, any small business? And the point of news page is to give people at the coalface that are doing the job, that are seeing the problems, that are understanding the challenges. Um, give them the chance to actually get their voices heard because actually that's where the real economy is. It's a bit like when you hear economists talk about models, you know, and, and for example, you know, you hear some academic economists, they'll say, oh, there's been a, an exogenous shock to the model. Well, so, so, so what you're saying is that something outside of the model has happened, which has caused the model to no longer fit. It's like, stop looking at models, look at the real world. Look at what's actually it's very, happening. It's very similar to if if they ask somebody for their opinion on the mortgage, say the estate agency market, sales market in London, compared to, I don't know, where, where up north Liverpool. Yeah, they're going to be two very very different answers. Liverpool, yeah. London have lost a lot of overseas investment, so they're telling they're talking about how the market is terrible. And there was a lot of Russian money that was taken out. Yet people in Liverpool a few months ago absolutely booming. So there, as you said, but if that person in London was the only person that was contacted for an opinion, and I assume that's what Newspage is trying to do, is trying to give an opinion to yeah. everybody opposed to just yeah. the people that can get in the papers, yeah. Yeah, but also there's, there's no one's got a monopoly. No one's got a monopoly on ideas. No one's got a monopoly on wisdom, you know, yeah. uh, and then people, you know, people can have really, really great original thoughts, and there was no way previously that that could be heard. I mean... Mm -hmm. <clears throat> think there's not that many tv journalists that stand up on tv and talk about finance matters there's not that many they can spring to mind and of course you know we're now we're now in a position where actually sometimes they might say something that is not quite as accurate as it should be mm -hmm. but previously there was never a way of kind of you know any kind of address there is now it might be that for example um you know a macroeconomist stands up and goes, How, this is what's going to happen to the housing market. Well, actually, if you're looking across the entirety of the UK and you're taking averages out here, there and everywhere, how many, you know, the average height of a male is five foot nine. You don't just see thousands of people at five foot nine, do you? You see lots of people at six foot three and lots of people at five foot seven. Yeah. You know, it's, it's it, you know, most people aren't the average. You know, most people aren't at the top of the bell curve. So it's enabling people like you that that run run mortgage brokerage companies yourself to get your point across and get your opinion across. So so going back to where you're featured, I think we started on this. So Sorry. news news channels, what kind of news channels are you looking at? Uh, so so in terms of actual TV news, um, I've done bits on Sky, ITV, GB News, which was uh, and Channel Five as well. Channel Five. Wow. And um, then you've been 
featured newspaper wise you pretty much newspaper wise yeah all the all the kind of major uh, tabloids and broadsheets so telegraph times daily mail guardian independent sun mirror evening standard independent i said that the i news um and then lots of different mortgage trade press or the metro actually so finance reporters mortgage strategy solutions mortgage introducer uh, ifa magazine um, so lots of different trade press. Big one is the FT Advisor. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, a, that's a very, very prominent and prestigious um, industry magazine and website. So yeah, so across all of those, multiple and, times, and it's all down to news pages. And it was so that's what I was going to say. News page is the one that gives you ability to get in in with these companies that that you can put your opinion across. What do you, well, how do you come up with topics? What do you decide to write about? Or is that set for you? That's set for us. So what happens is news page is, is essentially, as an individual, you set up a profile, a bit like you would Facebook or Instagram mm-hmm. or Twitter or whatever. You set up a profile of what you do and what alerts you want to receive, depending on what job you do. So if I was a physical therapist, it'd be about physical therapy, to be, be about social services, probably something, do you know what I mean? Whereas mine's all geared towards mortgage insurance, conveyancing property, UK mortgage market, housing, economic, et cetera. Um, and then what happens is um, they generate alerts. So you'll get in your inbox, uh, there's a news page alert that either a journalist has come on and they've said, I want views about help to buy ending. I want views about first time buyer. Uh, demand dampening. These are recent ones. Or mm-hmm. what about um, what's going to happen to property prices in the next two years? So that there'll be a specific set of questions that come in. I want information on X. Please give your views. So you go on, you write what you think is the case, or you mm-hmm. write what you think is your prediction, or what you think will happen, or your opinion. And then you click submit, publish it. And then there's a whole list of um, other people, other mortgage brokers or property experts, or whatever you want, you know, if you're in that sphere. Um, and then the journalist comes along and essentially cherry picks the bits that they like and, okay. and constructs a story and that's that. And then you get featured and then they say, so it'll be like, for example, you know, we're talking, so on the Sunday Times, just gone, there's a bit about interest-only mortgages, part and part mortgages, and myself and a chap called uh, Riz Malik, who probably would be a good shout to get on here as well. Um, we were talking about, um, so I my quote was something to do with, um, if you're going to have an interest-only mortgage, it's not a silver bullet, basically. You've got to mm-hmm. repay it at some point. So if you're genuinely thinking that's the only option, it might be an idea to consider that you're just over-leveraged. So, you know, rather than put yourself under more financial duress, have you considered downsizing? Have you, have you considered moving? You know, so it's not full although I have done the odd kind of uh, op-ed bit. Um, so they kind of I take those bits and bobs, quote you in the papers, often with a backlink um, in certain ones. Mm-hmm. And and then you get it out there, and then you all of a sudden you can say, I've been quoted in the Sunday Times or the Daily Mirror or the Independent or the Guardian um, or on BBC Radio. I'm on BBC Radio at four o'clock or whatever it might be. And of course, in terms of social proof, that's enormous, absolutely mm-hmm. enormous. You know, because I'm Lewis from Mansfield. I'm no one really. You know, why should anyone listen to me? But it's the BBC have said that you listen to. So there's two things I want to address in in that thing that you've spoken about there. The first thing was the the backlink. I mean, that sounds incredible. It's almost it's brought to you. It's put into your inbox. Tell you what to write. You write it, and then it's up to the journalist. So it's making easy for the journalist to write an article, but it's also easy for you because it's in your inbox. You know what to write about. Yeah. And you talk about that backlink. So 
Can you explain how a backlink would help somebody in their website? Sure. So, I mean, I'm not particularly tech savvy, but I'll, I'll have a go. So if I apologize, if, if for anyone that's watching this, that's a genuine tech person and understands websites, I apologize for butchering this. Um, so a backlink is essentially a signal, a link back from their website to your website. And it's all to do with domain authority. So if that website's got high domain authority and they send a link back to your website, that means Google goes, oh, so this person, this business, if someone's searching for mortgage advisor in Mansfield, when it's kind of working out where it's going to rank you on the, on the Google search, um, if you've got lots of backlinks coming in from very uh, high domain authority websites, it's going to go, well, this person must know what they're on about. And if someone searches for a mortgage advisor, and they'll go, oh, well, that's probably the best fit. So we'll show that result first or higher up the list, essentially. Um, so it improves your own domain authority, but it basically improves your search engine um, optimization. So you show yeah. higher in, in Google rankings when people search for mortgage broker Mansfield, mortgage advisor near me, whatever it might be. First, best first time buyer mortgage advisor in wherever. So but by doing that backlink, it helped. Essentially, I think of it as if you were walking down the street and a bloke came up to you and said, Lewis is a really good mortgage advisor. You kind of think, all right, random bloke told me on the street. Yeah, if you went home, put the news on, and BBC News said, Lewis is a really good mortgage advisor, you're much more yeah. likely to pick up the phone because BBC have said it. That's essentially what the backlink is doing. So yeah. you're getting the benefit of that. Then when it comes to social proof, so obviously I'm big on social media, <clears throat> has it helped you win more business? The honest answer is it's difficult to know. Okay. I don't, it probably is some kind of really tech, tech, techie way of tracking. I don't, I don't know too. how. I mean, I have I have had calls from people that have literally read an article and then Googled me and then rang me and, you know, I had a guy yeah. ring me from yeah. down in Exeter and he read a Daily Mail article or an Express article. Um, so that does happen. Admittedly, it's not often, but it does happen. Mm -hmm. But it's more about being able to share Oh look, there's here's some information on the mortgage market from I don't know um, the for last Sunday, the Sunday Times, the Sunday Times talking about mortgage and, and, and what you can do. And you slap me your quote on there. I've been, you know, I got asked my thoughts about X, and here's the Sunday Times reporting. And now that's a very well known, well respected, quite prestigious paper, and therefore people think, um, well, they wouldn't ask him if they didn't know what he was on about. Mm -hmm. Now, the case is that obviously there will be people quoted. I, I can't consider myself in that. Actually, sometimes we don't know what we're talking about, but the probably perception is reality. Mm -hmm. And so it's, and it's about you know getting out there and doing it. And, and there is just a, a benefit generally to it, I think. And that's, I like the way that you've used the word generally there because you never said, I upload a post about featured on the Sunday Times and then I get five leads. What no. you're saying is, your audience, there might be one person on there that's followed you for the last 12 months and you've drip fed in, we do this, we do that, we do this, we do that. And then you then put a post up saying, I got featured on the Sunday Times. They then think, oh, he must be worth his weight. Then the next post that is about first time buyers and the help to buy. And then a five posts down the line, you've then built this story for them about how you are a well-rounded broker that You've helped somebody, you've got a good Google review, and you've been featured on the Sunday Times. So it's so much easier for me as a client to pick up the phone to you because you've used that social proof rather than Smith's mortgages down the road that haven't uploaded anything in the last six months. 
And and that's the case, isn't it? Because unfortunately, you do have. So the thing is, is that within within mortgages, and this is a generalisation, and I I don't want to appear rude. Here's the thing: there are some people that are absolutely fantastic at marketing, mm-hmm. and some of those people that are fantastic at marketing are also very very good brokers. But that's not often the case. Whereas you can sometimes mm-hmm. get people that are good at marketing and not great brokers. But also you can get fantastic brokers, but not particularly great at marketing. Mm -hmm. And so the marketing alone is useful for generating leads, but it doesn't mark you out as good at your job. You know, Um, whereas, as you say, the combination of factors, the combination of I've been in the Express, I've been on BBC Radio, I've got, you know, I can say I've got over 100 five-star Google reviews, I've got stuff on Trustpilot, all these other bits and bobs, I've got Facebook reviews. It all builds that picture. Mm-hmm. It gives confidence to people that they must know what they're doing. And then it comes down ultimately, because there's some other great brokers in Mansfield. You know, there's there's, there's three or four uh, brokers in Mansfield. I'd be comfortable, you know, if if I lost a customer to them, I, I couldn't say, hand on heart, you're going to get a worse service or a subpar product. Yeah. Because they wouldn't, you know, um, because they're going to want to do. And... It ultimately comes down to, you know, some people, you know, would I buy a, a particular car from a very shouty, flashy salesperson? No. Would I buy that same car from someone that's a bit more quiet, a bit reserved, and just goes, hey, mate, do you want to take that for a test drive? Yeah, please. Do you know what I mean? So it's awesome, of course. It, 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 that's you know. it. You're, you're never going to win every bit of business. But I think during, during this time where it is going to get quieter, I heard, I heard a great story about um, Kellogg's, that they were never the number one in cereal manufacturers. There was somebody else that was number one, and they dropped their paper advertisement with them to cut costs. Kellogg stepped in, took their spot, and then ended up being number one. Because when a lot of people were retracting, which a lot of people do this time of year, in every business, Mm. a lot of people post less on social media themselves because they think, well, it's quiet. I don't really need to be posting much. Now is the time you should be ramping up your posting because yeah. a lot it's darker nights, it's colder, people more people are at home. Just because your business is quieter, whatever you do now will have an effect in January. Yeah. And that's yeah. that's what I wanted to speak to you about. What do you upload to social media? Um <clears throat> so the news articles. Yeah. Uh, of course. Um I, I occasionally I'll do a reel, I'll do a live, I don't mind doing a live, I'll sometimes jump on lives with other brokers and just have a chat and just kind of shoot the breeze. So um, sorry to jump in there, you did a really cool thing with lives when the base rate was going up and you jumped on, didn't you, and the and the and um, when there was the budget, yeah, you jump on and try and just calm, because you've got that very calming voice, you can see why you do it now, you just jump on, guys, this is what's happening. Don't, and you talked about a negative ferret before we came on the air. Uh, neg ferret, yeah. Yeah, neg ferret. So talk us through a neg ferret and what you do to try and... So it's, it's very, very easy to get kind of drawn into the doom and the, and then the kind of fear-mongering, the doom-mongering and the woe is me and everything's falling apart. <clears throat> but that's not it's not going to water any parsnips. And, there, you know, no one, you know, we all experience periods of time where you go, I've just had enough. And I'm just so fed up and everything feels as though it's falling down around my ears. We all have periods of time when that happens. It's natural. That's, that's life, isn't it? But it's not letting that become the predominant mm-hmm. outlook. Um, because actually things aren't all that bad. 
you know, the base rate's gone up, but fixed rates are coming down. Mm-hmm. There's still some great tracker rates. The Bank of England said that the base rate, they thought they wouldn't have to go up so far. Um, we think that the energy costs have, has peaked. We think that inflation is going to be dropping uh, going into next year. And we think that, you know, mortgage rates might come down. Uh, we hope that, you know, the war in, in Ukraine could be, you know, starting maybe not the end, but hopefully it could be the beginning of the end. Um, you know, there's all these other things that play into this. And so it can be very, very easy to just see the negative, see the bad side, mm-hmm. the change collapsed. Um, house price, you know, when there was a, uh, one of the economists <clears throat> from a leading building society came out and said, you know, at the, um, I think it was one of those Coggins questions thing, that house prices in their worst case scenario could fall by 30%. And then of course you've got some, unfortunately you've got some elements of the media that pick that up, house prices to fall by 30%. <laughs> well, in a, again, in a model, in a model where everything that could go wrong does go wrong all at the same time. But, you know, what are the, what's the likelihood of that happening? Virtually nil. In the same way, you know, I it's this kind of I, I so I studied at university, I did a degree in philosophy. So I, you know, like to think I'm a bit of a thinker, mm-hmm. but there's certain elements of philosophy, particularly stoicism, which is all about kind of um circular control. I can control my thoughts, my actions, outside of that I can't do much about it. And there's a brilliant kind of saying from Seneca that we suffer more in imagination than we ever do in reality. Mm. You know, it's never as bad as you think it's going to be. Yeah. And, you know, and, it, you know, most of the time, the worst case scenario doesn't come to happen. Neither does the best case scenario. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. occasionally it does. But most of the time, the worst case scenario doesn't happen. Most of the time, the best case scenario doesn't happen. And so kind of going through life and just seeing all this fear in the doom and expecting everything to be bad. It is, it's, it's not really rational because if you look at it, if you kind of did some kind of statistical analysis on it, the likelihood is that most of the time it's somewhere in the middle because that's yeah. where most things are most of the time. And that's um, what you speak to people about on the Instagram lives, don't you? You're there just to allay their fears and say, look, it's not as bad as everyone's making it out to be. So you'll just jump on an Instagram live, no fancy cameras, your phone, bang, you just sat there, aren't you, chatting away to the screen? Yeah, yeah, because, again... I've said this to quite a few customers now. I've, I've seen, you know, <clears throat> last month I could have got a rate of three point whatever, and now it's five point whatever. And it's this whole thing, you're like, you're not paying a rate, you're paying in pounds and pence. Mm-hmm. So ignore what the rate says. Can you ignore, can you afford the pounds and the pence? That's what you're going to be paying. Mm-hmm. And of course, if you're, if, you're, if you're on a 1% deal or a 2% deal and you're thinking, oh my God, I'm going to come off that and go to a 7% deal. Well, that one, that's not going to happen. That's just spin and, and media, mm-hmm. negative media. But also, unless your mortgage is like £400,000, if you're moving from 2% to 4%, yes, it's an increase. And yes, it's taking money out of your pocket. It's not good. But in some cases, that might be a £40, an £80, £120 yeah. increase. So yeah, it's not good. And it's money you've got to try and find. And it's, you, you, probably, you might have to cut back on other discretionary spending. But it's not this knife in the heart that people think it is. It just sounds rates, terrible. It sounds terrible. If rates hadn't have dropped to 2% a couple of years ago and they were at 3% and now they'd be at 5 hardly anybody would bat an eyelid because it'd be like, oh, okay, another 40 quid, 50 quid. And this is the thing. It's, it's, uh, there's, a, there's a guy uh, called uh, Graham Taylor that runs mortgage brokerage called Hudson Rose. He's a very cool guy. And he, he's got this phrase, it's frogs in hot water. And he's right. 
you know, mm. frogs don't notice the water boiling around them. And that's the thing is that we, we, we haven't had that gradual increase. We just had a slap mm. across the chops. Right, here we go. And that's that, get on with it. And yeah. that's the bit that's, it's the, it's the, it, it's managing expectations, isn't it? Everything is about managing expectations. And no one expected this to happen. Brokers. Yeah. And so when it, when that comes out of the blue, you know, it's, oh my God, I didn't expect it. Christ, what's going to happen now? Everything goes up in the air, the dust settles. And now we see actually, it's not quite as bad as anyone thought, and it's probably not going to be quite as bad as everyone's predicted. Mm-hmm. So, and I think it's good for people listening to this that are mortgage brokers that maybe don't have the support that uh, they might have done if they were working in a big agency. But just listening to what Lewis is saying there, every broker's having the same conversations. It's how you deal with those conversations with your clients and how you portray it on social media. You could put a post out there, panic, 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 get in touch. But what Lewis does is actually, no, let's do a quick video. I'm here to let you know that it's not as bad as you as you think it is. And I think that's quite powerful. Yeah, and, and, and it's genuine, I think. I mean, I so for example, we talked just before the recording about this, this um, the way that kind of now a lot of people are talking again about negative equity. Mm-hmm. And it's allowing it to become this bogeyman that sits in the background and everyone's petrified of, of negative equity. And yet, if you're renting, you know, so, okay, so let's say you buy a house. Well, would you use basic figures here? You buy a house for 100K and you put 5K in. Mm-hmm. You got a mortgage of 95K. Let's say that's costing you, I don't know, 500 pounds a month for the sake of keeping bigger straight. The life as it was costing you 650 a month to rent an equivalent property. Okay, so now let's assume that house prices decrease by 10%. Yeah, and let's assume you've not paid anything off your mortgage. Bear with me on this. So, you, your house is now worth 90k, your mortgage outstanding is 95, it would be a bit lower. Let's say that all happens on day one. If you were renting at 650 pounds a month for the next two, let's say you're on a two year fix, if you're renting at 65, uh, 650 pounds a month for the next 24 months. That's fifteen thousand six hundred pounds. You would have essentially set fire to, but you've got no asset at all. Mm-hmm. Whereas, if you're paying five hundred pounds a month off your mortgage, okay, so it might be that after two years, that your home has then recovered back to say ninety five, perhaps, or it maybe stayed at ninety. But your mortgage balance has increased, but you've got an asset. Yeah, the the loan on it might be now in in excess of what the assets were. But you don't buy a home to flip every two years. It's a long-term thing. You and made it ten grand, haven't you? Yeah, and and we know that every single crisis that's happened, whether it be nineteen twenty-nine, nineteen forty-seven, whether it be nineteen eighty-seven, or whatever it was, nineteen uh, the two thousand, two thousand eight, and whatever this becomes known as, um, house prices continue to rise because we've got yeah. a structural problem with nine of homes. Too too many people, um, and we our planning system's a bit knackered. But also, we've got a lot of wealthy people that want to buy assets. And while ever you know, this whole thing of I suppose this gets into the old trickle down economics thing. But in terms of this idea that if wealthy people are given more money in their pocket, then they go and spend it, and they're going to go and invest in stuff. Well, that's great. But a society doesn't get rich by just buying existing assets. It's only by when it generates new assets. So mm. it builds new homes or it builds another wind farm or it builds some solar farms or whatever it might be. But of course, it's a lot easier if you're wealthy to buy existing assets that you can get a return on from day one. 
And that's yeah. the primary reason why, even if house prices, I think, come down in the short term, they'll continue tracking upwards because we're in a situation where a lot of wealthy people can't put their money anywhere because there's no real returns. You, but, you know, you're generally safe with bricks and mortar because we can look back from the 40s, the 30s, the 20s. We just see this big line going up like that. And, and if you, you know... If you zoom in, yeah, there are bits where it goes down, but it keeps going that it way. Always keeps going up, yeah. There's, I think that's it. Anything bricks and mortar will always keep on going up in price, and and just and just bear that bear that in mind when you guys as brokers are having to have all these awkward come awkward conversations with people. It will it will get better. It's just it's just yeah. not at the level that we've we've had for the last two years. But yeah. yeah, we could go on for we could go on for hours, couldn't we? But before we get on the strategy question, we like to make a ten pound donation to a charity of your choice. Which charity did you want us to donate to? Uh, Macmillan, the cancer support charity. Fantastic, great charity. Right, so the strategy question. Everybody loves this one. So we're going to pretend that you've moved to the north of Scotland. You've got a laptop and a mobile phone with internet connection. What would you do to start generating mortgage business? Okay, so I would do three things. The first is I'd go and find the busiest pub of an evening. Okay. And I would start introducing myself and I would start talking to people. And I'd explain my situation. I found myself here. I've got a laptop and a phone. I'm a mortgage broker. <laughs> so, you know, I'm on my uppers. So if anyone needs a mortgage broker, I do know what I'm doing. Please point them in my direction. These are my contact details. Would you mind just popping, popping in your phone in case any friends or your family need me? That's the first thing. And then I'd have a, I'd have a few beers with people in there and maybe play a couple of games of pool. Second thing is I'd make a cheap website on something like GoDaddy. Mm -hmm. um, other website providers are available. But I'd make <laughs> a cheap website. With the contact page, it tells you exactly what I do and why you should use me. And the third thing is I'd probably jump onto uh, Unbiased, which is a, a lead generation. We could buy leads as well. Um, so I'd get myself on there uh, be, to, to buy the odd lead to, to kind of, so at least I'm talking to a customer because no matter how good you are at your job, if you've not got anyone to talk to, it doesn't matter. You could mm. be the best broker, you could be the super broker, the, the broker. <laughs> You know, the, the the ideal version of a platonic broker, but if you've not got a customer to talk to, it's pointless. So I do that. And then the final thing is I'd set up a Facebook and an Insta. Mm -hmm. And I would post every day something useful, something interesting, um, and then probably something comical. You do, and we haven't really touched on that. And we haven't really touched on Twitter because the, the time's got away from us. We've had a really good chat. Um, but you, you do, you're you not serious on social media. We've, we've talked a lot of heavy stuff today, but you are very, you you use humour, don't you, to attract your audience on social? I try to. I just try, well, it's not even you. I just be myself. I, yeah. I don't, because ultimately when people walk in the door, if, if you've got a facade, I mean, some people are very good at keeping up facades, you know, um, I'm just not one of those people. Mm -hmm. You know, if if I, if I'm in a bad mood or someone's hacked me off, I struggle to hide that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, equally, if I find something funny, I just can't. If I try to stop myself laughing, I just become a hyena. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so I'm just. There's no point. I might as well just be myself. And you know, birds of a feather flock together. So, mm -hmm. am I going to end up? You know, am I going to end up with all the? super posh very rich businessman probably not 
And, you know, I could still sort the mortgages out, but would I end up with that as my natural clientele? Probably not. Am I better off with, you know... The people, people that you meet down the pub. People that, that I meet down of, the pub yeah. that, you know, that are happy to play a game of pool, have a, have a pint, talk about rugby or a game of football. Um, you know, I'm, you know, I work at, I work doing this and my partner does this and we're looking to get a mortgage. Right, sit down, let's have a chat about it. You know. That's it, yeah. That's being very authentic on social media. Authenticity is spoken a lot about on social, but now is the time really, I think, in the next three months to to show people you. Instead of pushing for business, use the next three months. This is for anybody listening. Use the next three months to really deep dive into personal content. Show them who you are. Show them what you're up to. Don't try not to really push business a lot, but just talk about you and get them to buy into you. So when it comes to their mortgage needing a conversation next year, they'll hopefully know who to speak to. And and this is the thing, isn't it? There's There's no silver bullet. There's no quick fix. You can't generate a million leads overnight. And anyone that says you can is not telling you the truth. Yeah, like the get rich yeah. quick schemes—they never, they never work. Yeah, because they, they just, they just they did. I mean, I do feel you know, <coughs> in terms of get rich quick schemes, especially when there's you know the cost of living is a problem. You know, I, I should say that when I kind of talk about oh, you know, things are getting better, that's not to minimize that some people are genuinely suffering and will continue. Mm. That's bad, you know, but the problem is is that people will try and exploit that. Mm. In times of in times of stress like this, we'll see we'll see get rich quick schemes pop up everywhere because they're very enticing. We backed into a possibility, we backed into a corner. I need to make money, I need to pay my mortgage, I need to pay my rent. You know, and the reality is, is that if you're very wealthy, let's say you've got a hundred million pounds in the bank, you might be generating off that hundred million pounds three to five million pounds worth of, of dividends or mm-hmm. interest a year. Because you own assets and all that, all that kind of stuff. But if you've got ten thousand pounds investing, is it really going to? It might get. It might get five hundred pounds. You might get fifty pounds. It's mm. not going to set the world alight. And these kind of get rich quick schemes are. They really do prey on people's vulnerabilities, which are heightened at times of, of, of financial stress. So I, I just, I wish, in a way, for social media, which is important, that you know, that, that perhaps some of the companies could do more. So I mean, let's be mm-hmm. honest. We, we, both you and I, we could go online now. We could sign up to a crypto trading scheme, mm. and within, within, if we, if we actually did what they told us to do, within two weeks we'd be bankrupt, yeah, or potentially bankrupt. Um, you know, so it is that thing of there is, it's, no, and that's, I think, what your point you're trying to make with social. There's no, there's no get rich, there's no get leads quick scheme. It's no. yes, I appreciate you can run the likes of um, paid advertising that can bring those leads in. I've got no doubt with that whatsoever. But to attract the kind of clientele that you want to work with and the ones that will be successful, I always I always think organic and being yourself is um is key on social media. But Lewis, we will um we will cut that there. Where can people get in touch with you um, if they want to have a chat, Lewis? Best platforms to get you on? Uh, Facebook or Insta in terms of social platforms or. Uh, or the website, uh, surefinancialservices.go.uk, or now riversidemortgages.co.uk. Although, to be fair, the Riverside Mortgages, I'm building myself. It's not yet finished. There's a lot of content not on there, but I thought, well, this is perhaps the thing is here as well. Don't don't search for the perfect. Just get going. Just get, and that you said just that about going. you go, like if you drop to the north of Scotland, start that GoDaddy website, have something that yeah. if somebody Googles your name, you exist. Yeah. Because... 
I think especially in the financial services industry, if you don't have an online presence, people start to question whether you're actually real or it's a scam. That would be my parting parting shot. But anyway, Lewis, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers. So thank you very much for listening. If you feel this podcast brought you any value at all, I'd be extremely grateful if you could leave me a review on the podcast, little five stars, and subscribe to keep you up to date with all future episodes. We can also connect on social, so you can get me on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn, all with the handle Social for Brokers. Look forward to hearing from you and connecting with you all.